0: Hi, I'm Scott, and I'm Seth,
1: and I'm Dewey,
0: (laughs) (laughs) and we're track walking. Uh, This evening, we do have Eric Dewey DeWitt, uh, who is in by far the most professional-looking studio of the three of us. Um, (laughs) Seth is, like always, in his bedroom, I am in in my zebra-shod closet. And uh, Eric actually has like, you know, your RGB lights in the background, your on air, your grid life poster. So
2: professional of you. It's so legit. Yeah.
1: Just trying to turn it up for the audience.
2: <laughs> we, we don't, it, joke's on you, we don't record video. So,
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I could, I could turn my lights off, but it just, it's nicer in here this way. If, if I turn the lights on, you really realize how much of a disgusting hole
0: this is. I get it. I get it. (laughs) Well, besides, uh, talking about spider javelins before the show, um, glad you, uh, (laughs) glad you feel better. We, uh, you got sick last week, so we rearranged things, but you are, I, I love to do stereotypical introductions of guests. Um, okay. you were known for being one of the loudest people in the Good life paddock. I think bar none, I can't really think of anybody else. I could, I can hear as distinctly as you, uh, you're known for playing around with Subarus and thinking they're the best thing ever.
2: You, I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, but that's what you're known for. I mean, you don't that, have to yeah. think that you just we just have to treat you that way. Yeah. It's uh,
0: fair. Um used to be known for having very spiky hair. Yep. And blue. Blue, that's right, blue spiky hair. And um Yeah, you're you used to have a time attack nemesis, which I'm sure we'll uh we'll talk about.
1: I still have a time attack nemesis. Okay. But yeah. (laughs) He's just getting further and further away. Yeah, that's um. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so anyway. Um but yeah. So let's we we usually like to take a a quick step back kind of see what your kind of on ramp to track things was. Like what got you interested in doing uh race car things in the first place.
1: So I've always been pretty competitive. I was really big into track and cross country in high school. Um, so it was just a form of racing. Car stuff just didn't, that wasn't something that happened in my family. Like motorsports in general, like racing vehicles um, didn't really happen. But Gran Turismo did happen, and that was massive for me. Um, the mm-hmm. first Gran Turismo, I want to say, was like 98. Um, somewhere during that time period, that's uh, when I started to gain a little interest in cars. But again, track and cross country is all I was thinking about.
0: Yeah. What then was, I, what was your I went event? to Marine
1: Corps. What's
0: up? What was your event in uh, track and field? So if you
2: if you did cross country,
0: he uh, was, was 800. I was,
1: yeah, I was. I was more of a mid distance runner, and then I ran cross country just to keep the. Uh, uh, endurance um, in what I, I looked across country as the off season track is what I live for. Gotcha. My mile and 800 were really, were, were my money.
2: Nice. Okay. I only know this because my wife did the same distances in high school and college. So like when I hear somebody didn't overlap in those two sports, I'm like, I know you cause I married one of you.
1: Yep. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it, the competitiveness was always there. I, I got really heavy in the cars. Um, when I was in the Marine Corps, uh, I was DD in for some guys who lived, um, we we're in Southern California. I was there for comm school. They lived in Southern California and we started going out to the street races out there before the first movie came out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, um, uh, they, they would bring me out to that. And it was this like eye opening thing that you could take, a. Uh, um, you know, like a four-cylinder and rip and like just stomp these V8s. It was it was huge to me. Like that that was I, I love that whole underdog concept. And I'm like, I can afford that car. And uh, so I, that that really struck a chord with me. And um, I started getting heavy into cars at that point. Um, while I was in the Marine Corps, everybody else was. The movie came out. It went nuts. Yeah. And then, uh, well,
0: and you've got time you've got disposable income like you can i, I i'd like a lot to say guys. i had
1: lots of disposable income but i just didn't i was so poor um <laughs> okay it, I, it, I i i don't want other people to look at this as uh the way they should go about getting into cars but um you know i did a lot of things i regret when i was younger and during that time period and a lot of it involved with street racing for a lot of money There was a lot of Honda stuff. I actually started as a Honda guy.
2: I got to know, was like before the first Fast and Furious came out, was it really like that? There was
1: a lot of stuff they got right. And what a lot of people don't know is it was a lot of Marines they used as extras in a lot of those. If you look in the background of that uh, opening race in the end where Dom's doing this, you know, he's got his arms out and everything else. If you look, everybody around him has got a high and tight. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. And that's because it was all Marines and it was, it was, yeah, they, they brought piles of Marines in as extras for that and it, it worked out, but either way, um, yeah, the, but a lot of the stuff they did there where they would just shut down streets and run all night and like the types of cars you're seeing and, um, Uh, especially that like meet they had before in the first movie where everybody met at kind of this like industrial area Mm -hmm. that looked like a car meet from that time period. And they got a lot of that very right. I mean, they got a lot of stuff. They just, it was stupid Four wide spray painting on the (laughs) roads like that. That just was crazy stuff. You know, Um, they, they had whoever they had helping them explain kind of the, the scene and the feeling of that time period—they got it very right. Whoever they had, their well, I know who their technical director was. They had it very, very wrong. Um, <laughs> Craig Lieberman should be uh, brought to trial for uh, his sins.
0: Fast and furious but, uh, crimes.
1: He would put clear tail lights in a GTR if he could have got away with it. Um, <laughs> but either way. I it, that was that was huge, and then every that movie hit, and everybody got into the scene, and it was, it got really easy to make quick money on the side with my Del Sol with a, um, you know, a B sixteen with some work done to it. I was and, I
0: was gonna ask which Honda. Yep,
1: I had a ninety four Del Sol VTech and it was an original Del Sol VTEC, and uh, yeah, it had some work done to it, and it, it was like a mid 13 second car but for its time period that was pretty quick yeah you know and then the wrx happened and i got my o2 wrx in late o2 and when that was i i grew up in michigan i'm from michigan i'm from the muskegon area um what and i was going from north carolina back and forth all the time and i wanted something i could drive in the winter and the concept of four doors and turbocharged and it just all kind of made sense and then that was one of the worst financial decisions i had ever made in my life and everything good that i have in my life came from that poor decision
0: okay that's so, that's a life lesson for you maybe
1: it's one of the reasons that i'm so married to this brand because my career my wife my kids it, it like all 90% of my friends, what I do now, why people even know who I am, it has to do with that one stupid brand that everybody makes fun of. <laughs>
0: yep. Yep. So. What was it? What was it about? I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I hear that you say that you liked competition. What was it specifically yeah. about cars? You said that there was something about it sure. when, when some, when some guys took you there. Was it the, the atmosphere, the people like what's
1: well i I really jacked my ankle up around that time to the point where I couldn't do competitive running anymore okay and, and like it, it's like I actually messed my ankle up yet again over Christmas. same ankle still just keeps falling apart um and I, I needed something to like fill that void and cars kind of it, it just gave me a form of racing yeah, but there was so much more to it using different parts of my brain. Um, it, the the I the ingenuity of the whole thing really was interesting to me too, especially mm. within the import community during that time. Like V8 have been done to death, and here's guys taking these really small displacement engines sticking, you know, turbochargers or nitrous or rabbing 11 nuts off of them or whatever. It was just different, yeah. you know, and it was it was so seeing a, a civic hatchback, you know, stomp out a Mustang, which when were when I was growing up in the '90s, the it, it was a Mustang or a Camaro. That's just what people drove in our And you got to understand, I'm from Western Michigan, grew up in a union family. There was no bringing a Honda home, <laughs> so that that just didn't exist to me. So this was this whole like other world. Yeah. But as far as getting seriously like competitive with cars outside of drag racing and like street racing and stuff, and that scene just being kind of you know, entertaining until it all kind of fell apart. That didn't start to way later, way later. That was, that was me getting drugged to a grid life event and me going, Oh my God, I think I could do this.
2: So you don't have any transition between just being like a streetcar guy and being a grid life guy? Not really. So
1: I was a, I was a hardcore streetcar guy okay street racing things of that nature and i i grew up and grew out of that you just couldn't do that anymore yep. okay past about 2004 there was you that was bad news to even think about doing that yep um which again even earlier than that it was bad news to even start and i'm i'm significantly older now and can look back at that period of my life and see how stupid that was but when you're young and stupid none of that uh yep. really registers with you but it, I went for years within the Subaru community doing like drag racing and things like that at Subaru events, maybe going to some local drag race stuff. That was, that was racing. You know, that's, that's really all I had. I did do a couple of autocrosses, crosses and they were a good time. And I did one, um, like beginner HPD event just before I left North Carolina to go back up to Michigan. And, uh, I don't even remember what track it was at. Um, it was like uh, some sort of infield on an oval of some sort. And so I wasn't even sure where I was in the country. Um, so <laughs> uh, either way, it was, it was a good time. I went with a bunch of buddies and, you know, I boiled my brake fluid right away. And I was, I it just didn't seem like, I, I didn't even know how to get into that community. It's still, even though I managed to go to one of these events, it still seemed inaccessible. But this whole time I'm seeing time attack and all this stuff in the magazines. And that is what interested me. Like the drag stuff really wasn't that interesting to me. It's just, it's what everybody was doing. Right. Um, about this time period, I had already came home from the Marine Corps, became a PI, worked as a PI for a little while. And then, uh, ended up moving over to Chicago. I got really close with one of the shops in the area and ended up quitting my job to go work with him. And that's when I kind of turned my my hobby into a career. And at that point, that's that's it. it gave me a, a little more access to things I didn't have before. But it was still years before I ended up going to a, a grid life event, realizing shit, I can take my car to a track, like, and and there's people like me there. Because any other time I had been to. Uh, like that first track event or helped somebody at something else. It was always like old guys, BMWs, you know, Porsches, things like that. It, it, it wasn't rat box civics and, you know, it, things I can relate to, uh, yeah. that first grid life event, which was 2014 or 15. The I want to say 14. The
0: first festival.
1: It was the first one I went to. Okay. Um, the company I was working for at the time was a sponsor for it and they got free tickets and they're just like, you're going cause we need to do some social stuff and this. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going. And I stole my wife's five STI. I'm like, Oh, I guess I'll just drive this for the weekend. I had a fucking riot. Um, and that was Graham. Graham was the guy with me. Um, Graham and I both decided, dude, this was great. I never want to drag race again. Like I I'm so happy we don't have to cause all we do is go out there and break. That's all Subaru drag racing is. It's like <laughs> bop, 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 broken. Like that's, that's Subaru drag racing. So we, we ended up going to the, uh, the Autobahn event, drove there. And then that was the first year of road Atlanta. We drove our cars down to road Atlanta ran the whole weekend, drove home, which is super dangerous in a Subaru. Let's be real. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I ran every single session too, and it was stupid hot. Um, but as we're doing this, we're looking at our times. Both of us are realizing we'd be competitive within time attack. So we decided to just do time attack the next year. Now, So th- we made that jump probably faster than we should, but I've been doing a lot of like, I, I this sounds really stupid. I've been doing a lot of competitive Forza at that point. So I had a fairly good understanding of how to keep up it, it, finding the speed was fairly easy it was more finding the format and making sure that i was comfortable within what i was doing
0: sure <clears throat> now your wife's you mentioned your wife's sti you actually competed in your wife's STI oh yeah for... no
1: i straight up stole it from her <laughs> um so i ended up taking my wife's sti the next year um putting more aggressive suspension on it more aggressive tires redoing a bunch of crap ripping a bunch of weight out of it and and using that car to compete and that's when you know i ran into spaz who is the other loudest person on the the uh in the paddock yeah that's fair and we we went straight to war and and honestly i had some of the the best times of my life that's where i ended up meeting jackie um that's where i met a lot of these people and uh just Absolutely fantastic times going to war with these guys in what was then called HPD plus and now it's called Street. When, when we took this, what essentially was supposed to be a beginner time attack class, and turned it hyper competitive, um, so that's all our fault. Um, yeah, but I, I drove her car for three years. Um, as hard as i possibly could i put four engines in it in that time period <laughs> i uh i i hit a wall with it um, i it i ran remember with the giant bandaid for years i
0: remember the giant band-aid on that car oh
1: man the day i hit that wall it, when i hit the wall it wasn't even during competition either it was at uh <laughs> uh the very first track day picnic um yeah so it, i got it, i'm sure you've been to blackhawk farms and oh, yeah. you've got to the outside of that kind of almost infield section where the, the curbing is really, really big. Yeah. I got up on there trying to chase a, a Lotus through that area. And uh, it, it just grabbed me and threw me into the wall. And Oh my God. Hours just trying to make that car look like it wasn't destroyed. I
0: must, I, I must have been there because I've been to all the track day picnics. I guess I, I don't know
1: how you couldn't hear the crunch.
0: I, oh, I, I'm sure I did. I'm, I, I just never put it together that that's where, where it had happened. Yeah. So how it did it take me a
1: while to get over that?
0: Yeah. That's. Accents usually do. They, um, yep. what, what, what did it do to you? Or like what, how did it affect you?
1: So the very next event, if I remember correctly, was uh road Atlanta event. Oh, and
2: Good Lord. Ro-
1: yeah, so Road Atlanta and that terrifying turn 12. Um, it took me, I, I ran this, that was, that event was awful. I ended up calling her almost in tears for, I think, the second session when I started trying to pick some speed up. Um, because through turn 12, the car would just start to, the ass would start to come out through 12. I wasn't allowed to run any arrow. And if I put the STI wing back on it, spaz would destroy me down the straights. Like he already had almost 15 miles an hour on me. It would have been like 25 if I would have put that wing on. Um, so I, I needed everything I could get out of it. Some sketchy alignments and, uh, taking the center differential. And as I was going through 11, I would, I would put it in lock, which would essentially make the car understeer a ton going through 12 and then unlock it as I left. 12 was the answer to that. Doing you doing
0: um, F1 stuff in the middle of your labs.
1: I, I I had to find a way to get chill out, and I wasn't willing. I tried playing with sway bars, but it made me slower everywhere else on the track, and it just wasn't worth it. I hate that track. I've got to be real. I'm so happy I don't have to go back there because it is just <laughs> it scares the shit out of me.
0: Because of the, the potential of consequences.
1: Yes, I I was I watched. You remember that was it the first or second year that it was just a rowdy pile up right yep. in the front straight. I think that took out Doug Wynn's car, you know, a couple of GTRs. Like it was like, a, there was like seven cars on the front straight that I got all wadded up. It was, it was nasty. It was like the worst wreck grid life's ever had. And that stuck with me. Cause that happened like right in front of me. And that, that track, I don't know. It just, there's some about 12. I cannot keep myself planted through there. Um, so I give up huge amounts of time. We were overlaying my dad at the Jackie's at one point, And it's just they're he, he would absolutely kill us through there. And it, I just, it, it's testicular fortitude that I did not have for that. Right. You have a kid, you start thinking about things like that was, that track is the reason I, one of the biggest reasons I went to street mod because I'm like, I need a cage. And I mm. like, I can't afford the weight in this car. I'll never be. I'm already really not competitive. I'm having to drive borderline dangerous with this thing to be competitive. I need a cage. I, and th- then I can, I can add arrow. I can get this car to settle down, more power, yada, yada, yada. Mm. And, uh, but it was, it was really, I need a cage. And if you look at my cage in my car now, like it's a rally cage. Like I have bars where there shouldn't be bars. It is so heavy. That car is. So so much heavier than it needs to be. And I'm okay with that. I feel better about that.
0: Yeah, after, at least in my experience, I found that after I I hit a wall, you start at all the tracks, even the ones that you had been to previously, you start noticing all the things that are there to hit. And hopefully, like, not in the heat of competition, but, like, you start noticing how close things actually are or how no, far a car can actually go when you do get off You track.
1: You start to get a, it, you'll start playing scenarios in your head on how can <laughs> I end up in that. And uh, that's a bad place to be because that'll get in your head. True. It, it'll make you, uh, again, everything's not about turning a lap time. And, and I've had to, as age has gotten to me, um, that started to creep in. But uh, You're not that old.
0: How old are you right now?
2: 40 all right okay okay yeah you're yeah.
1: in.
2: you're in Let's there he's just, he's just aging better than you scott that's, yep. that's
1: i'm about fair. to turn 41 i don't drink i don't smoke i hold it down i graduated in 2000
0: there you go there you go good so. for you uh so <laughs> when so when you touch the wall touch the wall when you hit the wall at blackhawk how long would you say that that actually took you to get past that
1: realistically probably another year like another year's worth of events Mm. um it took me going back to that track to regain respect for it um it also made me realize it was probably a good thing i have a, a theory that everybody every guy at least one time in their life needs to have the shit beaten out of them. So they realize they're not invincible. And uh, I, this was kind of like that reckoning. I kind of needed that because I thought I was way better than I was. And for as bad as that was, it was actually an extraordinarily minor incident to bring me down. Like sure. something, knowing what I know now, I needed something along those lines. It, it humbled me a bit. And I've, I've become faster due to it. Yeah, it stops me from overdriving cars because that starts to creep in real fast.
0: Yeah. You said that you met your wife through Subarus. How did, mm-hmm. how did, I mean, were you guys making the out? In Subaru the Subaru community tight. Like-
1: all right. And, and I was kind of a front end of, I, I was the front end of the the community shop and then i was basically the face of our community in the chicago area for a pretty long time um long story short we had a big group of us that was helping a buddy move into his house and this it was actually the the ex-girlfriend of the guy we were helping move in, his brother and that's in it was it was just that's how we met and then she she decided she was gonna come to a meet and and we started talking and I pretty much immediately dumped the girl I was with and uh <laughs> the rest is history we've been together pretty much ever since so okay. that was holy shit like 12 years ago
2: I kind of missed that that mid2000s horror culture that was like forums you'd meet people on forums yeah. and they'd yes. invite you to meetups and there was there was a period of time post fast and furious but before i don't know 20 social media yeah before social media or instagram yes where like everything happened on on the forums and in real-time meetups and yes. you got invited yep. to places by real people that you met online rather than like I don't know. Instagram is not. I, I feel like it's not like real people. It's what people there's want to not, show you. There's no
1: discussion within an Instagram, and one of yeah. the things Instagram, yeah. most of the people behind these huge accounts or these cars that are really popular or whatever, is honestly, you don't want to see those cars in real life because um, when you do, it it's not. It, it, there's a lot of Photoshop out there.
2: Um, people are photoshopping cars like they do supermodels. Oh my God! Yes. Oh my God! I didn't
1: know that. <laughs> oh, this
2: makes me so sad. I,
0: yeah. I should. I feel like I should have known all this time, and I never have. <laughs> oh man, have. it's bad. I mean, I, I
1: talked. You just talked to Rob Wilkinson sometime about that.
0: I, I guess we will.
1: I, have you looked at my car up close? It looks oh, great in photos.
0: Yeah. It's. She's rough.
1: She's rough. She's man. Rough. She, it's used. It is a very used vehicle.
2: Well, yeah, but, I, I, I guess I should have known that. Like, like Brian, even Scott's car in Instagram, Scott's car looks amazing.
0: It's yeah,
2: yeah. but I always thought now, that was just
1: now. Like, some of these show cars, they take it to a whole new level.
0: It's so aggravating. Yeah. That is, but either way,
1: really... like, there's no discussion on Instagram. Okay, there's right. no, there's nothing behind it, and that's that's something that the entire community, not just the racing community, is missing. The forums. And, and, and it, it, it sucks because car meets were amazing at one point. And we, we were really big every Wednesday, every Wednesday was the meet and it just was meat night. And I, everybody knew you're either bringing your wife or she understands, you know, this is, this is what's up. And, uh, it was, there was a, a serious importance on making sure you had a meat spot and people respected that spot yes. and and it was it was great, and and yeah, the, our community would it was getting fairly large. It was you know fifty cars every week, up just Subarus in you know outside of Algonquin area, Illinois. You know, if you you have any idea where that's at, it's kind of halfway to um, Rockford from yeah. Chicago. Yeah, so, yeah, we
0: and even and in in my experience at least, and this is. <laughs> that was with my even weirder uh niche of cars at the time like we'd even get together on occasion and stuff and like we'd do stuff for charity and we'd like you know actually yeah. try to like help the community you know through our the the one dumb you know thing that brought us together
1: we did subies for boobies it was awesome
0: <laughs> I mean the the headline's right itself
1: yep <laughs> But that stuff, like it, it's kind of gone, you know. Yeah. And I, I, a lot of people say the car meet killed the the car show, but then like Instagram really killed the car meet, and and just social media in general. Yeah. And it, it sucks um, because I I see this. It, it's it is my job to wander around social media and talk to people and you know spread brand awareness and you know, even make sales at some point. But, um, you, you see just the, the, it's so toxic and, and it's so toxic on so many different levels. You, you have, you have companies exploiting, you know, what it's all become the, you know, people talk to each other in a different way. Something I've never understood is on forums. I don't know if you guys remember this, but people would really attempt to make, uh, You know, a a proper sentence. They wanted to sound intelligent on a forum, and they would do everything they could to spell check themselves and make sure they sounded. Even though you, this was a name, some made up, fake screen name. You know what I mean? Nobody knew who you actually were. You really wanted to sound intelligent.
0: Oh yeah, the the grammar Nazis. The grammar Nazis would kick your ass.
1: scarf crazy stuff, and nobody will call you out. And it's your name attached to this. Yeah. I just, it blows my mind. Yeah. And it, you're right. And it's because it was, it was moderated. It was moderated by people within that community.
0: And, and that's kind of, so I think about like the grid life paddock as a forum of sorts. And there yeah. are key people who do speak up when things happen or, call people out or help to guide the culture that they want to see and things like that. Um, I mean, I can think of a few instances we don't have to necessarily dig up dirt on anybody, but that something happens and you or someone else is like, no, that's, that is not, that is not what we're doing today. Yeah. We we can be, and and,
1: that'll happen all through the paddock. You know what I mean? on on a bunch of different levels. And that's one of the reasons I I love grid life. And probably one of the reasons I was attracted to it, didn't even realize it is, yeah, it kind of does have that forum vibe and you, you, you care about what you're saying. You know, (laughs) you don't want to sound like a moron in front of these people. It matters to you.
0: Right. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah, I was just thinking as we were talking about forums and stuff, I'm like, man, grid life should start a forum. And then I'm like, well, it's got discord, but The problem with Discord and really any, like, the Gridlife uh, page or Track Midwest is it's the the bottom-up nature of it's whatever's new gets the headline. And it's, you know, always, you know, Facebook and Discord, well, Facebook is really picking what it thinks that you want to see but discord is just stream of thought like it you can't really it's hard to have consistent conversations like you know it it's, was it, it was it was nice I to at least i think it's a
1: bygone era i don't think we're going to get it back and that's what sucks because we're no longer in control of it and it, it, when i say that it used to be somebody like the guy who ran Nasiok nick nick would Make a forum, you know, North America Super Impress Owners Club. And that became a, a bunch of people could make different yeah. forums, you know, iClub or whatever, Club yep. WRX. These were all different forums, but Nasiak ended up being the hub of this. Yep. And it was controlled by somebody within the community. Right. And and right now that isn't controlled by somebody in the community. It's controlled by Zuck or whoever else. And and it you're getting fed by an algorithm, not somebody who cares about you know, cultivating a good culture.
0: Yeah. And, and really the algorithms, it's just money. Like they're just trying That's to, all it is. and, and forums. And, and I'm not saying that forums weren't interested in money, but they were interested in companies or organizations that would help the community, like help what we've already have here. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Bumps me. Out.
1: I know, and and it's it for some of us who have been around long enough to to have lived through that and came up through that and and learned through that. Um, I I feel bad for a lot of you know people getting in today that they have access to you know anything on the planet with this thing they walk around in their pocket. You know, you've got this phone, and every piece of information you ever wanted is here. But it's buried under so much noise that it is, if you're new, you don't know how to filter that. And okay. that's where forums worked. That's where magazines, even to a certain degree, worked. Sure. One of the nice things about magazines and why I ended up learning what as much as I did as early as I did is because Sport Compact Car would only come out once a month, but I'm going to poop a lot of times within that month. <laughs> And I'm I can't keep reading the same articles. So I would read stuff that I normally wouldn't read. Sure. And that ended up being a lot of the technical stuff that would be in these that wasn't just, hey, look at these cool wheels. And it ended up becoming my favorite part of that magazine. As I wanted to hear Dave Coleman teach me about, you know, something I, I didn't my brain didn't couldn't even fathom until I picked this book up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And And well, we'll, I think we can be honest about forums is like, it always takes you some time to be in a new forum community to figure out who really knew what they were talking about. Yeah. And, and then you can kind of filter everything out, but like you, you're kind of willing to put in that time. Like if you want to know the information, you have to engage, you have to read, you have to spend some time on it. You can't Most just forums make, though. You can't just right make a post. Your
1: name. You would usually have like a post count, or a, yep. you know they'd have some sort of ranking system, sure. or you could see the join date. You know if some dude's been around ten years, like, and he's still on this forum and he's his post count's fairly high, like if this dude hasn't been ran off, he's got to be saying something worthwhile. Sure, you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, and now. You, that doesn't
1: exist anymore. Anybody can be an expert. You can just start typing.
0: Well, and the hard part is like now people just post like, Hey, I've got this problem. What do I do? And then everybody yep. can chime in. And a lot of times not even answer your question.
2: Yep. Well, and what? even if they do answer the question, it's not saved for posterity.
0: Yep. Exactly.
2: Um, at least just,
1: in uh, forums, they used to just say search, you know, they right. would yell at you to search noob. And yeah. it would force the noob to search, and then they would learn.
0: Yeah, because, yeah, you had sticky posts. You had these things that was like, hey, this work has already been done. We've We've yeah. done the work. We've cataloged it. And, man, I remember putting in hours on certain posts that I would make when I was documenting something that I was doing because it was important to me. To not only have the keywords, but to describe everything in good enough detail that when somebody would happen upon it in the future, it would make sense. I wasn't like referencing something from like 10 pages back. You could just search and this one post would come up.
1: You're a true bro.
0: I tried. There's also stupid PT cruisers and like who the hell is searching? Yeah, nobody cares. T- you know what?
1: <laughs> There's going to be some 16 year old kid with a PT cruiser who's going to find your post about an EGR valve or something that you fixed way back in the day. Nope. And you're going to save his ass.
0: My, one of my big contributions at the time was uh, vacuum line diagrams and um, vacuum injectors, which nice. I had to do so much for re- internet research to figure out <laughs> why, when I did a boost leak test, why it was leaking out of this thing, and why they would do that from factory? Like, why would you intentionally be leaking boost out of your turbo vacuum ejectors? I, I'll That's, I'll tell you about it. That afterwards. sounds
1: like some Chrysler crap if I've ever heard it. It's, yeah, it really
0: does. It, it it was absolutely it was to be honest, like it was it was a good idea. Base, okay, essentially what it is is like for part part throttle boost like you're going up a hill. There are these tiny little turbos from from factory going up a hill for a long time like your brakes, your cruise control sometimes like a lot of stuff runs on vacuum, but if sure. you run in part throttle boost for long enough, you have no vacuum left. So, yep. it's this little physical piece that allowed boost to always go through it which would create vacuum because it'd be running at an angle to this other. It was, I mean, it made the car do all the car things under all the circumstances. Now I took it off when I started doing performance stuff, but from like factory, it made sense. But like in my head, I'm like, why? Like, I need to know why this is here. I need to know. (laughs) Yeah.
2: And in Chrysler's defense, they had been cludging together turbo systems for a really long time by then.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they're heroes that slapping turbos on things that probably shouldn't have turbos.
0: Don't be rude. <laughs> Don't be rude. Turbo PT cruiser was all the <laughs> torque all the time. No traction.
1: Wasn't that technically a GT cruiser then?
0: PT GT, yes, sir.
1: Yeah. Sick. <laughs> um
0: actually so my my old car is actually currently up for sale, and I definitely thought about it for a hot minute because it's, it's for sale it for what it, I sold it. Like it's up for sale for what I sold it for. And he did a lot of work to it and it still looks good.
1: So you could get those factory, uh, Mopar turbo kit setups. And I think technically you could run those in street. Yes. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just saying you could you could be the front wheel drive record holder all over the place. So that's yes. That-
0: <laughs> yes. I don't know why uh, Adam Nielsen and I have t- long talked about cobalt SSs and neon SRT4s for days. I I don't know why people are sleeping on those cars.
1: They shouldn't. It's because we're so JDM-based.
2: Yeah, Yeah. Maybe. So well, get- and there's no clean ones left because everybody who bought one <laughs> lived in.
1: Oh man, SRT fours are that's, rough right that's, now. That's Do not fair. go to Facebook Marketplace. But there's no. plenty of clean SS's out there.
0: That's fair. So you're you're in Time Attack now. You've made yep. you've made uh, frenemies with Spaz, um, who drives an Evo, and you two going back and forth all the time. Uh, yep. Jackie Ding comes in with his S 2000 at the time.
1: It Jackie was, he came in at basically the same time we, him and I hit at the same time. Okay. Um, and he just, he, he wasn't a threat until the next year where he decided to become more serious. And then, yeah, that's, that's when stuff really, really started tipping. Then we had, a. Uh, we had Ron come in, he had that Mustang Yep. and, uh, uh, Austin hurdle right around that same time period came in. Um, so that's, that's when street was really, really going nuts. Yeah. Um, we forced him to change the name.
0: (laughs) HBD. Yeah, it's, it did not. Well, as competitive
1: as it was getting, it was getting very hard to get any support from any aftermarket companies when you try to tell them what class you're running. Yep. You tell them HPDE Plus, and the second HPDE came out of your mouth, they're like, you're just doing, going to track yeah. days. It's like, like no, 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 no,
0: no, no, <laughs> no. I, I need to explain. <laughs> I need to explain. Yeah. And nobody wants to hear you explain HPDE plus.
2: No, no. <laughs> so, what wait, do you wait, think? Wait. What do you think about the fact that, that the entry. Time attack class, and this is we're gonna we're gonna dismiss Sunday Cup here because we're not gonna talk about that. So the the entry time attack class is like legitimately super serious.
1: I mean, we have a lot to do with that, but what my my argument to this is always going to be that the people writing the rules are the ones in charge of making sure it doesn't get crazy. And I, I, it wouldn't be crazy if certain things weren't allowed. All you have to say is no. And and a lot of these people got yeses when even they thought they'd get no's. Me being one of them.
2: But culturally, what do you think that does to a class as far as bringing Unfortunately, in Unfortunately,
1: time attack is...
2: A, lot of, yeses. All attack still, like a
1: lot of yeses were allowed when a lot of no's should have been. And, and <laughs> there are some things that I don't think they understood Pandora's box was being opened up. So there's a lot of things happening in Red Lifetime Attack right now, and there's even a lot of talk of there being a a fairly large rule shakeup next year. And then with that, because things did get really messed up and classes don't exactly make sense anymore, um, with this this rule shakeup, they would... You know, do some kind of reset. I guess um, certain people would get moved around because of the way the rules would be sitting, and it would the the approach on the rules would be a little different. This is one thing that, like, I there's a lot of things me and the boys over at Global Time Attack don't agree on, but one thing I do agree on is they they guard their classes like like their ancient scriptures. Okay, so if something were to come in, you're you're more than likely gonna get a no than a yes out of them if you go ask about something. Something that maybe slightly bending the rules, they won't even budge on my my cage having gussets to the A-Pillar. I have a crappy 90s rat box and like they I'm not allowed within their street class, which is our street modified due to my gussets on my cage. Yep. That is their biggest. I I could fix anything else in that car to be legal in that their class. And there's some small stuff outside of that, but the big one, their big holding point was the gussets, and I'm not about to cut gussets out.
0: Yep. Rule, so rules, is it's, rules, rules.
1: Things like that, and it's little rules, and they're they're. It's okay for them to have that. If they they believe in that rule set, that's fine. Whether I believe in it or not doesn't matter. It's okay for them to believe in that, and and they defend that. They defend it. But what will happen is somebody will be like, yeah, I keep having problems with like my control arms and I'm eating wheel bearings all the time. So I just want to get this billet knuckle, you know, and then they're like, well, I guess we can kind of construe that as almost a safety thing and we'll let it go. Or I think one of my biggest things, and I, I, I hate harping on it, but we have an asterisk in our record book right now to this day, due to the fact that they'd allowed, they allowed somebody to run, A, without a car with a VIN in it, in street, um, sorry, in street modified. And the the doors were completely gutted, like completely 100% gutted, but it wasn't teched close enough. And then the competitors called them out on it, and they, they're like, well, we want to make sure they have time to fix it and whatever. We're like, that car just is not remotely legal. The car is not legal. It's not legal for the class. It needs to get bumped. And uh that one still sticks with me pretty bad. There's things like that where we we have this killer community and it's it's the best part of of our community by far. I mean, it's still to this day, I I had more people call me with my brain tumor, you know, getting removed. More people in Gridlife life got a hold of me than my own family. And that that's still that's why I spend the amount of time I do with grid life versus my own family. <laughs> Um, but that, because of that nature, we don't, we're, we have a really hard time saying, nah, man, it it just ain't right. And they've gotten a little better about it over the years. And there's some butt hurt and, you know, people move classes and change what they do in grid life and things of that nature, because they didn't like the way the rules were brought down upon them, but they're... That's one of the problems. They've kind of created this monster, and they can't uncreate it now. And the only way to really do it is go, okay, we're going to freeze the record book. With Time Attack, once you let once you let the monster out, it cannot be put back in. Right. Once Pandora's box is open and the record has been ran, it's there. So this is why people go really nuts in Time Attack before anything's even happened. Because if it, after it happens, it's a problem. Um, and I, you know that's—I uh, I don't even remember where the hell I was going with all that. But <laughs> no, the, the rant, the typical time attack rant. Did we screw that class up? Did we screw straight up? Yeah, we screwed straight up because we got wildly competitive. But nobody told us no. Well,
0: and somebody should well, have told us no. And. But what I what I also hear from even driver development to yeah some some car build development stuff as well is that when you have close competition like street and even street mod does is mm-hmm. that does elevate the competition. I mean, w- yep. I remember when I came into grid life, like one of the most interesting things was what was happening in unlimited because we had these three cars that were continually showing up with, of course they were like wild, crazy builds for the time and, you know, have yet continued. But as soon as only one or two started showing up and then it was only one, sometimes like the class kind of disappeared because the competition wasn't there.
1: Exactly. And that's street and street mod, especially street mod. And the other thing I want to say too is the goal of the rule book, in 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 one way or another, is to make parity. Okay, that's that was really the goal: is how can we make these cars all equal? And one thing you can say about street and street modified is our parity is incredible for how fast our cars are. Sure, They're, it's absolutely incredible that you can have this like street mod we'll have six cars within a second, you know, that's insanity at any point, any that's, that's nuts. You know, every you'll get the, the occasional Jackie ding runs away with it. But I mean, it, it, when we're at Gingerman, it's, it's, it's nuts. It's, and we're talking McLaren's crazy Impreza's, you know, S 2000s with DCTs like (laughs) Turbo vets, like all sorts of crap. Like these are just wildly different cars, yet we're all running freakishly identical times. So the rule book is working for what it, it's intended purpose to make parody. The problem is, you know, we've exploited every little we're we're using the entire sandbox. And to to and and you it's hard to get into. And I could see how that would be discouraging for somebody who's coming in. Um, this is something I deal with a lot. Cause a lot of guys, my own customers ask me, Hey, you know, I want to get into time attack. What do you think I should do? And they're talking about big engine builds and all this stuff. I'm like, you need to build something very basic and go to street. Like, well, I already got a big turbo and all this, sell it, go to street. Like you need to, you need to dial your entire situation back, go buy a BRZ, like go run some club TR, get your, get your feet under you, you know? And, until you figure this out and, and getting people to the whole concept of street mod was supposed to be cars with basic bolt-ons, which there are a ton of them out there, but you can't even take a car with basic bolt-ons and run in the street right now and expect to compete because those cars are so developed. They will, they will crap on you and yep. their drivers are so much more developed than they used to be. Yep. It, it, honestly, that's, I think one thing that has gotten, uh, glazed over a lot is how much better we have all become as drivers yeah yeah um and and the the group in general has become in, as drivers you can't just be some dude with a fast car and roll, roll in
0: no and and the diversity and cool builds i think are part of what's fun about grid life but mm-hmm. like you said building the car especially to what you would need to do to be to have a pointy end car, if you do not have the ability to wield that thing around a racetrack, like you're probably more of a danger than anything else. Like you need to have a car that I used to, I used to talk about uh, snow skis and water skis this way is you need a snow ski or a water ski. That's just a little bit better than you are until you know what it's not doing. And then change it. But if you don't know why you need sway bars, you don't need sway bars. Like yep. Until you can tell me, man, the car really doesn't do this. I wish it did. Sweet. Now you understand it. Now you can likely know how to control it. Fix that problem. Make it better than you are again. And then go chase it.
1: Yeah. but you And then when you're changing these things, you understand how to... Like, as as you're changing these things and manipulating them, you have a better understanding of what your car is doing, how to repair your own car, um, maybe even how to save your tires. And if yeah. you have a better concept of the, of the dynamics of your vehicle, you have a better chance of controlling it, too.
2: Yeah. When I instructed autocross, I always told people once I got three or four events in, I said, okay, what you need to learn now as a driver is to, how to listen to your car because your car is telling you things and the number of people that showed up in very fast cars who had no idea which end was breaking loose first was just like like if you can't feel certain things about your car you have like don't spend any money on it learn to listen and i think that 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 rings true in a lot of track driving too like You don't know how to listen you you don't know how to tell what your tires are doing at the front and rear of the car separately if you can't if you can't either hear that or feel that or do any of that don't change things learn how to listen first um absolutely so having said that do you have i don't want to take this wrong do you have any driving aspirations outside of time attack
1: yes And that didn't really start hitting me until uh, not last year, but the year before. And I'm sitting here watching Jeremy Boysen's a good buddy of mine, extremely good buddy of mine. In fact, it all happened because of this stupid photo I have up here, which is Jeremy Boysen's old. um, He used to run a uh, Porsche GT4. Okay. And the reason he sent me this picture, this was the ass end of his car. Um, is he built this car for Street Mod, completely convinced he was going to destroy me that year, and then had nothing but issues the whole year. Um, but Boysen and I are good buddies, and Boysen is begging me to come to GLTC. And the, I have more fun driving my BRZ and losing miserably in Club TR. But having a riot, just driving my BRZ at either HPD stuff or, or ripping around on Club Tierra because my car is busted, my fast car is busted, um, I just have such a good time doing it because I can turn just a heap of laps. And it's very rewarding. And um, I really want to go bang doors with, with my buddy. And, and so GLTC is something – I, I want to get this – I really just want to win a championship. I desperately want to win a street modified championship. If I can pull that off this year, I'm basically going into GLTC the next year. I'm already putting a cage in the car. Um, I'm working on that right now. It's something that I want to, I want to work into. I think it's going to be a really good time to, to run with you guys, but I I also want something. It's so ungodly expensive to run boogie. It's crazy expensive to run this car. It eats tires. It just demolishes fuel. And even though I honestly, other than the very last event, it's been fairly reliable as far as engines go this year. We've got pretty much all of that sorted out. Um, it's just, it's constantly something stupid. And and I, I only get one honest good lap and maybe another one if I'm lucky per session. And, and chasing that perfection is fun, but I've been doing that for years. And I...
0: It sounds exhausting to me.
1: It, it is, man. And I just, I want to, I want to, even if I lose, you know, and I, cause it, I just, what I want is I want to go out there and have a good time with my homies. And that is whether I win or lose, I just want to, I want Boyson and I to hop out of the car, look at video and laugh hysterically. That's what I want. And And again, maybe that's me getting to a certain age. Um, if I never get better than mid pack, I I think I'd be totally fine with it.
0: Well, and as as we've talked about, mid pack GLTC is fast.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's cool. So you you can't just be a, that's. I'm looking at mid pack going. That's going to be a that's going to be a war in there, but it's going to be so fun.
0: I remember. I think it was two years ago. The meat that shall be named, and you. You went ahead and put your BRZ at the back of the uh, the Sunday yeah. morning shindig that we held, and uh, you were like, "Man, I was hanging in there. I was, that was so much fun." I was. I thought I did okay for having a literally street-driven BRZ,
1: yeah, <laughs> full seats and everything.
0: Yeah, freaking Levi. I re- I still remember that thing. Levi was just on another level that morning
1: we were having a good time. I, I remember that very well. And that was actually one of the things that made me go, man, maybe I should do that. Um Then I start helping my buddy develop his, uh his club TR BRZ. And uh, we got a whole bunch of weight out of that. And it's allowed me to kind of like see what works and what doesn't and take what he's doing with that. And then compare times and it, 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 it would, put me basically mid-pack and his car is rock solid reliable and my car has been rock solid reliable the the brz has been it's just on how you treat them sure and i don't know what tim levine's problem is but i don't have that problem
0: he Um, doesn't have a problem anymore
1: yeah no he's not We'll we'll see (laughs) The thing is, when he has a problem, it's only eight hundred bucks. For me, it's going to be a few grand, but I don't have to do a swap. So
0: I remember talking to you at Autobahn about uh, your car's name. By the way, is Boogeyman? And yes. uh, talking to you at Autobahn, I think last last year that you were wait still waiting on like a very small piece from Latvia. Yep.
1: <laughs> yeah. So how that was funny. <laughs>
0: And it, and it ended up breaking and you guys had to improve the design anyway.
1: We, it it showed up and it was big and beefy and what a, it was my shift finger. And I kept breaking this piece inside the trans basically because I'm fighting around synchros to shift. And I was flat foot shifting, but still with a synchro there. So it's putting a lot of like pressure in places it shouldn't be. And you do it enough. Things crack and break the shift finger kept breaking. I was on my like my sixth one at that point, point. and uh, that shuts you down for a weekend. You're done. Um, so either way, I was I ordered this. The only place I could purchase this without purchasing an entire gear set was this sketchy thing I found on eBay from literally Latvia, and it, it is pr- probably like Chernobyl metal. I guarantee the thing's radioactive. And uh, I I. I tell everybody I order it. And then I, it, this is after I begged on my Facebook. Cause I know a lot of people in the industry. I'm like, please somebody make this. And I kind of went on deaf ears. And uh, so I ordered a sketchy thing from Latvia and it shows up. And then this is before I worked at IEG. The owner of IEG saw this sketchy pop metal piece of crap. And he's like, you're not putting that in your trans. He's like, we're building one right now and built it out of tool steel. Like literally within three days, it was okay, here's the idea at like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Built it the next day, overnighted it to me. That's and amazing. now it's a part on our, our website.
0: <laughs> that's amazing. So
1: now everybody can have a shift finger. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the sort of crap, that's the development you get from it. That's one of the reasons I really got into uh, Time Attack. And why I got into Street Mod in particular is because it's stuff that was... My car and the the, the things that I use, these, these all these, my car still looks like an Impreza, you know, you can look at it and go, that is a Subaru. That's an Impreza. It's very hard to see that in James Houghton's Integra, you know what I mean? No offense to James. And I love James and that's unlimited time attack. Yep. You know, um, it's just, it's even though the car is crazy to a certain degree, it's still relatable. You can open the hood and see it's a Subaru, you know, and and a lot of those parts are 90% of it's off the shelf. You know, there's nothing too crazy in there. And if it's not off the shelf, it's probably going to be off the shelf fairly soon. Um, it's it's relatable. And that's one of the reasons I liked Street Modified. And that's one of the reasons I got into that in particular. And it was easy for me to find support within my community for it.
0: Sure.
2: So since you're still in the Subaru community um, in ways that Scott and I probably aren't in, I don't know, like Scott's not in the Miata community in general. I feel like sometimes, but like, like how are the Subaru kids these days? How are they doing?
1: (laughs) (laughs) You got a few different levels. Um, Instagram has made this really weird. um, Deviation. A lot of stuff happened within our community in this last year that hurt a lot. Um, It, I'm not mad at the EPA and the stuff they've been doing as much as people think I am. I don't think all the EPA did was start enforcing laws that were already there, but we had our, our entire industry, not just super just, just when you modify a a vehicle with a VIN number past 1985, you're in a gray area. You just are. Um, If you touch anything, emissions-related in any way. If you're not running a fully stock exhaust with a fully stock intake, run a fully stock tune, you're in a gray area, whether it's a race car or not, which sucks. Um, Because, I mean, that's 99% of anybody who's listening to this, they're using a production vehicle, Um, usually built after emissions of some form. Um, This year, Cobb Tuning, which was our are they were the, the major player in tuning within Subarus and what they did is reflash stock ECUs. They got their door kicked in hard by the EPA and basically to survive, they had to, they had to cut a lot of the functionality that the race side of us used, um, of being able to remove certain things and turn the check engine lights off. So then we didn't have, because people were using it improperly. Right. Um, and that really hurt. the The industry has been kind of reeling this year from that. And then a lot of people who were trying to do naughty things got hit really hard. Um, a lot of people who are used to being able to make nine hundred horsepower streetcars, um, thats no longer a thing unless you're willing to, you know, spend the six grand on a motag. Um, for a lot of us with, you know, cars with can bus and things like that, the guys who had been doing this for a long time, or like me, people who predate Cobb, this didn't freak us out too much because, you know, like myself, I I'm already on a standalone and most of us race car guys went standalone a long time ago. Um, but for the rest of the Subaru community, they didn't know how to deal with this. Cause the only way you tuned your car was Cobb. It's just what you did. And when right. that went away, I'm, I'm not going to lie. The community deflated a little bit. Um, we took, um, if, if I wouldn't have, um, started dabbling in the Bronco accessory community, we would have had a very, very tough year. Um, that would, uh, a lot of people, I'm, there have been areas of that, that, that shop that I think would have, uh, we wouldn't have been hiring. We would have been turning lights off. So, um, yeah. So that's allowed us to continue to develop in that area but we've had to change how we develop certain things and our approach to like how we used to do flex fuel has had to change because that used to go through uh we had these things called tumbler generator valves and these these valves they're they're for cold start emissions and everybody would just delete them. Okay, yep. it was just the first thing you did is delete these valves. Yep. And those extra inputs are what we used for flex fuel. Well, when everybody had to plug those back in because they were throwing check engine lights and needed to pass emissions and stuff like that, uh, flex fuel had to go away. A lot of people got really mad about that because Cobb had already sold a bunch of um, equipment for that and kind of didn't give anybody a uh, warning on that. So the, the, the Subaru community has been kind of reeling this year in general, like the parking lot meat life has kind of went away. Um, I'm happy to see stance is finally dying um it really is it's really i don't get phone calls for hey man i want to put my car on the ground and put 22s on it anywhere near as much um which is is lovely because that was that was a conversation i'd have to argue with some kid about that stance will make her dance but it in fact will not um and and i get a lot more calls these days which is really awesome about hey how do i get on track and and it's nice to I wish there were more parking lot meets, but because I want them to be talking about going to the track. I think parking lot meets are a great way for people to meet up. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of that is dying because everybody just ops on Instagram. You know, everybody looks like they're doing something, but they're not.
0: Yeah. And part of my, uh, part of my thought, and I don't, I don't even want to say worry, but it kind of came up to me when we stopped, uh, driving the Miata to and from events is that all of a sudden I didn't have a car that I could take to meet. I mean like a cool car anyway that I couldn't take to meet because I now had a race car and this race car doesn't go down streets very well. No. And so as I see the popularity gain for on track driving, um, I keep seeing, you know, the number of trailers increase as well. And that can be a conversation Mm -hmm. in and of itself, but I'm, I'm almost worried that the increase in an interest in driving on track is going to continue to drop parking lot meets because the track is your meat.
1: But look, look how many people that that's dangerous too, because look how many people got into cars because they happened to be getting ice cream one day and saw yeah. like some dudes hanging around a car, you know, chatting it up, you know, two or three guys with their cars there. Totally get it. That's a lot of us got into it that way. And, um, that's, that's going away. It's going away fast. My, and how do you cultivate both?
0: I, I don't I, know. Yeah. And my, all my friends and I don't, I don't think they're wrong. Uh, they kind of poo-pooed me about getting an enclosed trailer versus an open trailer and, I totally get it. I mean, having an open trailer, like just going down the going down the road, like you can see a race car. You could
1: be affecting some kid. Like some yes. kid sitting in the back seat who would be looking at his phone, looks up and sees your race car. You could change his life.
0: Dude, like they he
1: literally could hop on his phone and start trying to figure out what the hell it is.
0: We, I miss it dearly when we would drive the Miata towing its own trailer behind it Going blasting through Chicago traffic, like we got so many phones out the windows and thumbs up, and people like speeding up to like stop next to us and like, like just be like pointing and being like, what the fuck? That's awesome. what, What is happening? And like, it's cool. And now it's like I've got a big dumb van and an enclosed trailer, and I mean, it's it's what's right for our family. Like yep. we can sleep in there and my son can come more and that like, that's all good stuff. But in terms of like using the churchy word, I'm not a car evangelist anymore driving to and yeah. from events.
1: Yeah. And, and I, I 100% get that. And I don't know what the way to cultivate that is. You know, one thing that's helped us is we tend to run in convoys, yep. you know, and there's, there's always going to be a few guys who are driving this, that, or the other thing. I wish I had an open trailer for mine, but if I put boogie in an open trailer, stuff's gonna go missing. Yep. Like the amount of extra crap I gotta bring for boogie is stupid. Yep. Um, and people that's why people are always looking for random fabrication crap for me, because I'm constantly having to build something stupid.
0: Yep. Um you use a welder on site fairly frequently.
1: All the time. Um I've built more on-site arrow pieces and ducting than probably anybody. (laughs) Uh, And I've got so much random material and, you know, self-tapping screws and randomness that I'm, I'm the guy you need.
0: (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Hoses. (laughs) You, you mentioned it earlier and I didn't want to, I didn't want to leave before talking to you about it, but it's been, it's been a few years now, but I'm also remembering other than Mikey, you are the only other person of some renown for having a major medical uh, thing that you went through. Uh, Uh, Could you talk about that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel so bad for Mikey, by the way, like who I try to talk to any chance I get. And it sucks because I moved down here to Tennessee and I don't, I don't talk to him anywhere near as much as I used to. His dyno used to be around the corner from us. at Six yeah. Star. Yeah. So I used to see him all the time and Mikey saved my ass on multiple occasions.
0: He's a good dude. So
1: one of the, literally the best dudes in the community. Um, But yeah, I long story short, I had this thing called an acoustic neuroma. So it essentially grows in on your balance nerve and kind of smashes your, it's in your auditory canal. So it's, on the inside of your skull, um, but between your brain and your, your skull. And it just happens. Like it just happens there. There's no rhyme or reason to it whatsoever. What What were the symptoms?
0: To, like what actually alerted you?
1: So I was at a buddy's party for new year's. There's a couple of things. This is what forced me to say, okay, something's really wrong. Um, and it was the, the clanking of the dishes was the most nails on the chalkboard thing I've ever heard in my life. I had to leave this party. Um, and we left at like 1130, so it was like a New Year's party, and we left early because I, I couldn't be in there anymore. It was it was like I was about to beat my head on the wall. It was it, it was awful, and I, I can't really explain it, but it's like that clank. It was like this the most high-pitched, horrific shrill every time, and it would just echo in my head. And I kept trying to explain to my wife, like, I, I don't know what's wrong, but something is wrong. And I've been telling her for weeks before, I'm like, I think something's wrong with my hearing. And the reason I knew that is because I was playing a whole lot of PUBG at that point, And being able to hear where shots are coming from is massive. Sure. And all of a sudden shots started sounding like they were coming from weird directions. And I, I went through all of my audio settings and crap. I'm like, I even <laughs> bitched at them on the forums. I'm like you guys changed something in your crap. Like <laughs> I can't hear shots for shit. now. Like I, I went nuts. Cause I'm, I, I, I could not figure it out. Yeah. Um, so I, I, but then I started hearing that clanking. So stuff was getting worse and worse. And I told her, I'm like, I gotta go see a doctor. And it was funny, the first person I went to was just a random practice. They were they're like, Well, take some like Sudafed, you probably got like a cold or you're stuffed up. And I had to like argue with them. They're like, I need to go see an ENT. Something is wrong with my head. I had to beg for them to recommend me to go to an ENT. So finally got that recommendation and went up to this guy and he he gave me some they they gave me this like steroid. And it helped for a couple of days, but as the steroid wore off, like my hearing and everything went to crap again. And he's like, "You know what? We're just gonna we're gonna do a an MRI, just to check." And sure shit, there it was. Damn. And yeah, And most people, like my favorite story about people who have these, um, Mark Ruffalo, you know the guy who played the Hulk. Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. He was on set doing a movie and goes to the set doctor and says, look, I had a dream last night that I had a brain tumor. I want to be checked out. This is freaking me out. And he had a bigger one than I did. Freaking weird Uh-oh. dream. Crazy. Just, and he had no other symptoms other than he had a dream. Um, but long story short, they ended up having to cut my head from, like, here to back here, peel the whole side of my skull off. Um, then they, yeah. like, smash it up into this, like, kind of powdery shit and then they take a hunk of fat from your stomach plus that powdery shit and kind of like paste it all back together after they go dig on the inside of your skull and hack it out um i'm totally dead in this year so take a loud person and then make them half deaf. now i'm twice as loud <laughs> um so yeah other than that i got my balance back pretty quick uh they were worried i wasn't gonna be able to drive that entire year i wasn't hearing that um I got my balance back real fast. Um, come to find out that my ankle that I was talking about earlier yep. with running actually like was a huge part of my balance issues. And my ankle is completely jacked up way worse than I thought. So we spent most of my uh, physical therapy sessions working on my ankle and not my balance. Um, so yeah, I got back in the car, got right back to it and- after they you know pulled this hose out of my head that was you know, draining fluids and crap.
0: Yep. I remember, I remember that you, uh, <laughs> putting on a helmet, like all oh, that's fine.
1: Yeah, no, putting on a helmet's fine. That first, I'm not going to lie. The first event that I was at, I was probably at a hair early. Um, I only ran a couple of sessions and that was the second I could stand that you, your perspective on life changes a lot after you realize a random tumor can come out of nowhere that I don't smoke I don't drink you know I don't deal with radioactive anything
0: Besides Latvian fit. pieces
1: yeah I mean well that that came later <laughs> um <laughs> I uh yeah after you you start to real you start looking into these you, like a random tumor can just happen you start looking at life a lot differently so the second I was able to stand again I already had the chassis for boogie but I figured I'd build it through the year. I'm like, no, screw it. We're doing it right now. And we built the car and it took us about two months of literally no sleep. And that's why Boogie showed up with no paint. It looked ugly as shit. Yep. But it was what it was. And that was built within a month. Um, and I'm still dealing with some of the sins of putting that car together that fast. I'm still finding things of, yeah, we probably should have done that differently and things get improved as I go. But I really wanted to make that first event because I needed it for points. And I had to go out there and at least turn a few laps or it was going to screw me, um, which we did. And, yeah. you know, we did okay that season considering that we, uh, you know, we we almost shouldn't have even been there at all. Um, that first event, yeah, it, it sucked. It, I'm not going to lie. Putting a helmet on hurt my head. Um, this side of my head's still pretty numb, but like the pressure of it, kind of sucked but after the next event I was
0: fine you know as I think back on the the conversation like your your story almost seems one of I mean aren't aren't they all but like one of growth and development kind of through a perspective shift you know you you were talking about you know your foot racing and then you were you know messed up your ankle and then you had cars you had um you hit a wall and all of a sudden you kind of realized what could happen there you had a daughter and all the implications of like I had a son son I'm sorry you had a son (laughs) and like all of a sudden the implications of like wanting to be a father started creeping in and then you had a tumor and like most people I know who have are recovering from and surviving tumors, like that moves the needle on your life a bit. Um, so I, I guess just not really a question, but it, it's just been interesting to, to hear about the number of shifts that you've had that have kind of like land you where you are.
1: I think some of it is I am really ADHD, so I tend to hyper-focus really hard. And if I turn, if I can use that to my advantage, it's, it's awesome. Like building that car, it was no problem for me to focus on that for a month and a half. Sure. Um, sure. You know, but sometimes I'll catch myself staying up till 2 a.m. researching Alexander the Great. Why? I don't know. You know, it happened recently to me with RC cars. Like I went way down the rabbit hole. Now I own like four thousand dollars worth of RC shit. Why? Because I'm stupid. It all could have went into my race car, but like it's ADHD is is terrifying. But if it can be, it, you I, you get big perspective shifts, and then you get hyper focusing at the same time. It can be it can be really productive. Um, sometimes I wish I could turn that on and off, but.
0: <laughs> That's fair. Well, what are what are your goals or hopes for this upcoming season?
1: So last season, um, it really became evident at mid-Ohio um, about the percentage we were lacking. It's about two percent. Um, I need to find two percent more f- performance overall, whether it's through me, horsepower, grip, whatever, overall, I need to find 2% more performance to close the gap with Jackie. Um, and a, of, at least a solid 1% of that was me. So one thing that I did on the off season was invest a little bit into some more of my sim stuff, get a little bit, of, bit better equipment and try to drive more, um, which has helped until my wheel broke. Uh, but I've, I'm already seeing improvement with that. Um, the other thing I was looking into, um, as far as performance, my car is by far the most rudimentary slapped together thing, um, as far as competitive street modified. So there's a lot that I can clean up and, and refine and gain quite a bit of performance from that. Um, one of the things we're going to do this year is testing. Um, I, I, one of my big goals was to get some help, um, I'm getting some more test time. And I'm I'm gonna be able to get that this year. So I'll be up in Chicago a few times um doing some testing, working with some of my my old buddies over at Six Star and uh some of my new sponsors, um, trying to find some speed, getting me more comfortable in the car and actually comparing me to um another pretty solid driver. Um and trying to see if we we can find some some more speed, what we can change in the car. One thing that I've, I've really only been other than a buddy of mine that unfortunately just doesn't come out to these anymore. I've been the only one driving boogie this whole time. And when you only have one opinion, um, it's, you know, there's, there's different, there's different ways to go about things and being the crew chief and being the driver and, you know, having to deal with data. Plus you, you know, you, you're taking care of it's your family or whatever. And it, there's a lot going on and I am it's, it's some of that weight's been taken off me from, um, some people volunteering last year, which helped me out a lot. And, uh, some of the help I'm going to get this year. Um, but having, having somebody else drive this car and go, this is what I think about it is going to be helpful because it's, I have a feeling that's going to be very enlightening because I, you just get used to driving around problems. I've noticed that because I'll, I'll hop in my buddy's car and we're, we've both been developing that and what he thinks is perfect. I think is completely screwed up and you know, we'll, we'll find speed in different ways and being able to overlay each other's data helps a ton. And because we're in the exact same car and fairly similar environments and it, it helps, it's helped me as a driver comparing to him and him comparing to me and Good. I needed to improve as a driver because I, I came up through sim racing. Honestly, I came up through Forza and Gran Turismo and I have a shitload of bad habits that I'm still fighting to this day. <laughs> um forcing myself to look forward, things of that nature, which you don't do when you're, you know, you're, you're sim racing. You don't really, you don't think about these things. Um, that's one of the reasons I was really big into going when I do sim racing I use VR because it's forcing me to be within that environment. And, you know, I'm constantly yelling at myself to look forward and things of that nature. And that's, that's already started paying dividends. And I, I realized that in the car, I was realizing a lot last year that I would go, you know, events were right up until like the last session. I realized I haven't been looking forward. You know, yeah. pretty, I've been looking at the core I'm coming into. Yeah. And, uh, it's it's i got bad habits i gotta i gotta break and uh i it's maybe it's me growing up maybe it's the maturity of it uh me maturing finally um of saying i actually do need a little help you know things have gotten crazy in this class so doing it by yourself is is a monumental task and then doing it with cars this crazy is even crazier so
0: yeah the
2: interesting the the fastest drivers that I know in the grid life community are the ones that are most eager to seek out coaching.
1: And that's awesome to hear.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I
0: mean, like, like we talked about, it's not enough anymore that you come with a capable car. Um, And yeah, I'm reminded that uh, I think we were talking to Nick Coors, that time attack is a team sport. It really is a team sport and the drivers can get and do get all the spotlight most of the time. But like, it's if you want to be truly at, at the pointy end and continuing to improve, like it, it takes more than one for sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of people look at Jackie and don't get me wrong. Jackie is an absolutely incredible driver. I, I truly believe that there would be um a pretty noticeable percentage taken off if Jackie didn't have Alex. Alex does a lot for Jackie that people don't realize. And Jackie will be the first to tell you that. That that you know Alex has helped him a ton because he can worry about looking at data and things of that nature, and Alex can worry about making changes on the car and making sure everything's ready. When you're trying to do all that stuff yourself, it just there's There's no time. And I did so much of that last year and the year before by myself, um, that I needed to ask for help. And when I did it, it, it helped immensely, but as far as getting a a driver coach, I, I probably needed that for a long time. And I think ego has stopped me from, (laughs) from seeking that help, but I definitely should have uh, looked into this a long time ago.
0: It's a, it's a thing. We get we get it. Yep. <laughs> uh, well, who do you need to say hi to, thank, and uh, plug all that good stuff?
1: I mean, um, I work at the IEG Performance, so I that's anybody needs to get a hold of me. They need any help with their Subaru, um, you know, getting to the track, things of that nature. I'm, I'm, I'm always open to chat. Um, we have the IEG Subaru Insiders Lounge where I livecast every week talk about all sorts of stuff um and then uh you know i, I want to six star motorsports has been with me for uh, a million years and while they won't be on the side of the car this year a, a lot of those guys are a massive reason why i managed to make it where i did um so those guys worked our ass off uh, getting me to where we were and man we put a shitload of motors in that car and mm-hmm. <laughs> We, we had some rough times, but we had some good times, and I miss those dudes over there. Um, then, you know, Fortune Auto and the rest of the dudes. This year, we're going to be working really close with uh, EBC Racing, has gotten involved with us, which is going to be really sweet. And uh, Go Fast Bits has also gotten involved with us. So that's going to be really sweet. Um, and then Fuel Lab, um, those guys have been with us for a long time, and I love them pieces. Um, they took one of the most Annoying problems of a big power Subaru and made it the easy button with their surge tank. Those guys are killer, easy to work with. If you guys ever need the easy button for your fueling, just talk to Fuel Lab. Um, past that, you know, maybe the guys out at Al's Auto Body and all the people out at Grid Life who's been killer. So,
0: yeah, good, good people all around pretty much.
1: Yep, just great community. And if, if you have ever thought about getting involved with, with track stuff, you you're not going to do better in grid life, um, especially for the community side of it. Yeah. Um, like I said, when I had my tumor, um, there's more people within the grid life community got a hold of me than, you know, genuinely worried about my my well-being than my own family. And that, that was also a, quite the perspective shift on who I want to spend time with. Um, I stopped taking time away from the track for, you know, petty family crap when these people wouldn't even call me to say hi you know you quickly realize that your your concept of family kind of changes a little bit don't get me wrong my immediate family all of them were right there but that that like non-immediate family i ain't got a whole lot of time for that so
0: (laughs) yeah well we're certainly glad that you're still around and uh choose to spend your time uh in the paddock around the same people we like to hang out with so and thanks for taking the time to to talk with us.
1: Yeah, uh, anytime, man. Um, you guys are killing it. You're you're one of my favorite podcasts to listen to on the on the road, and I'm on the road a lot lately. So,
0: well, thank you. Appreciate that. Thanks. Well, for the three of us here this week, I'm Scott, <laughs> and I'm Seth. Who are I'm you? I'm Dewey. And uh, <laughs> we're trackwalking. We'll talk to you next week.
2: Cheers.